2: Welcome to the 5-year-plan podcast Hey, Pod 437 um, And it's after Palace's excellent 3-1 win over Aston Villa We'll be getting into reviewing that very quickly Before we do that, let's introduce, introduce, get your words out Jim Today's guest, uh, returning for the first time in in quite a while Great to have her back, Grace Matheson Grace, how are you doing? Hello,
3: yes, thank you, good to be back
2: New season Indeed, new season, new Palace New FYP, no, it's, not. it's the exact same FYP, nothing's changed. Um, speaking of nothing changing, Kevin Day's here as well. Hello, Kevin, how are you doing?
4: Well, in the, in the great scheme of introductions, Jim, that's not <laughs> one of your best, I have to say, but. <laughs> no, it's
2: not. <laughs> we'll take it's
4: it. I'll, I'll, I'll overlook it because you're obviously a week more tired than you were this time last week during the
2: festival, and you've been to a wedding in Ireland, so. Yeah.
4: you'll be you'll be running on fumes I and survived it. Yes, yeah, uh,
2: and yeah, Guinness fumes and survived the wedding. And congratulations to my brother and Colleen. Uh, they didn't listen to the pod, so that was completely pointless. I don't know why I said that. Um, let's do a shout out too. Even, even if they did listen to it, they're on honeymoon, so they won't be listening. Exactly, to it now. exactly. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, can we get a drum roll for a random patron, please? It's Charlotte Nice. Hey, oh, hey, what a lovely name. What a great name. <laughs> oh, my niece, Charlotte niece, but Charlotte, Charlotte either way. Thank you very much for joining our patron. Uh, and you can get all the rewards like Charlotte does, including post-match podcast, patron-only merchandise, and access the patron-only Discord club at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash F-Y-P podcast. I should sh- uh, mention as well, of course, we have a merchandise line of F-Y-P merch, which anyone can buy, but all patrons get an immediate 20% off as well from joining, and that's available at podcastmerch.co.uk slash FYP-podcast. It's very high quality, and there's lots of FYP in-jokes on the the merch as well, so well worth doing. Um, Before we start, if I could do a quick shout-out to two chaps called Brad and Don, who are from the CPSC DC group, and I know lots of them are over at the game at the weekend. Brad and Don then came up to Edinburgh to see my show this afternoon, and it was lovely to meet them. They were part of a great, a small, but perfectly formed crowd. Uh, and they'd come up to see just one show, which was mine. So I've tried to convince them to see more shows <laughs> this evening. I hope they are, because there's <laughs> lots of great shows on. But it was lovely to meet them. Thank you to Brad and Don for coming to my show, um, which is called Gym Daily Football and Fatherhood. It's a four-star show. Guys, I got a four-star review. So um, if that doesn't convince you to come, I don't know what will. Um, it's at the Grassmarket Community Project at 4.30pm every day. Tickets available at edfringe.com and kevin i was featured on the bbc today were you i was it was a news report about the bin men striking and the guy did it in (laughs) front of one of my posters but we'll take it all pr is good pr in edinburgh
4: are you doing a show in london jd for those people who uh, can't afford to rush to the airport buy Um, a really expensive ticket to see your
2: show (laughs) no i mean by god look how much i spent on a ticket um No, I haven't booked anything yet, but a lot of people have been asking, so I will book something in towards the end of the year or maybe start of next year, so I'm definitely planning on doing that. It's a very good show. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And everyone's come to see it. Quite a few Palace fans have come up, so it's been lovely to see you all. Um, Let's crack on, then, with Palace's 3-1 win against Aston Villa. Now, this always happens, Kevin. Whether it's Edinburgh or holidays, I miss the first few weeks of the season, and Palace always seem to to pull out one of their best-ever performances Ben McCarthy has said, hello Ben, why can't football be that enjoyable every week? Was this one of Palace's best ever performances?
4: Um, I don't know about best ever, but in the context, it was a very good performance and a very important result. Uh, And that context being the difficult fixtures we have at the start of the season, which both Sky and BBC commentators mentioned. The fact that I think apart from Bournemouth, I think the other two relegated clubs are going to make a fist of it this year. and I think it's going to be quite tight at the bottom. I don't expect us to be down there. But playing that well against a team that we would look to be in and around at the end of the season was was very welcome. And also the improvement we saw. You know, we Stephen Gerrard's first game was against us and they beat us deservedly. And on Saturday, we beat them more than deservedly, basically. Still... Yeah, the focus is still again on Gerard rather than Vieira. But no, it was a great performance. First six... I, I couldn't help but think of you, JD, because the last thing we said at the end of last week's pod was, let's just hope, right from the kickoff we get at them, we really go forward. And for the first six minutes, they battered. We couldn't get up <laughs> near them for six minutes. We went here. We just couldn't. They just kept running at us. We deserved to be one nil down. Could have been 2 nil down. And as soon as Wolf scored... Another brilliant goal, which again will be overlooked, the goal of the month, we just looked a different team. We just looked at the rest of the second half, rest of the first half. And refreshingly, we came out with that attitude at the start of the second half. Because I think that it's a fair criticism that we've been a team of one half for in a lot of games. But apart from that first six minutes, I thought we were great, really good to watch, really good to watch. And that third goal, just a thing of beauty.
5: Wonderful goal.
2: Yeah we'll come on to that later of course Mateta's first touch uh, coming on It's an interesting point Grace isn't it Because uh, there were games last season When uh, Kevin's alluded to there The sort of the, the one half team we'd come from behind At home to Leicester And they did it against West Ham And there were lots of second half rallying So again there's another element of that Because it was a quick response from Palace And proof they can win from coming behind in games But it was more than that wasn't it Because it was quite an early response And after that it was quite a sort of dominant display
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, it was almost almost an immediate response. Like Kevin said, Villa nearly went two 0 up, and after that, it was like suddenly someone switched the lights on, and we realised what we were doing. And I mean, it was, I've just watched match of the day again, and it said something that quite a lot of the highlights had gone past, and we were still only at the eleventh minute of the game, um, which is it was a very busy busy opening sort of fifteen minutes. But yeah, we seemed to really switch on quickly rather than maybe sort of grinding it out. Wait until half time, making some changes, and then going for it, and it being too late, and maybe ending up with a draw like we have before when the performance has really warranted a win, so it was nice to actually go out get the equalizer almost immediately and to just to just build from there and and Villa had more chances after that, but it didn't didn't ever really feel like we weren't we weren't going to win the game
2: I guess it's an important win as well because obviously, as Kevin alluded to. It was a tough start to the season, and actually, I think Palace acquitted themselves pretty well in, in both those games. Actually, in the Arsenal game, I thought they looked okay, and no one was panicking. And in the Liverpool game, obviously, great result as well. And we came with the game plan, and it and it worked. So, but this was the first game to target a win, and they've done the job. And I feel like last season Palace sort of mostly did the job when expected. So hopefully, they're sort of into the same vein again this season, and it is a big. That first win of the season is always big. So it's nice to get it in, in what, our third game. Um, you've touched on there, Grace, a little bit about the, uh, well, um, Villa nearly scoring. There was Kevin, a penalty shout. So VAR, again, has played a, played a part mm. this week. Villa were looking for a penalty shout for, for a, a foul on Buendia by Decoré, I think it was. Um, and then Palace break and do score that lovely goal from Wilf to equalise it. So, you know, one of these things where it's sliding doors moment, um, what, and then later on, there was Schluppy's goal ruled out for Edouard being, I mean, literally centimeter, not centimeter, millimeters offside. It was very tight. Mm. What were your thoughts on both those incidents? Did VAR get those right? Um, oh, and then the penalty. The, oh, we'll come to the penalty in a bit. The,
4: the first one, Wulfskog. I don't think anybody seriously thought that was a penalty. That there was, you could see there was a little bit of downward movement from Decore's foot, but he played the ball quite cleanly. I think the only controversy about that first goal was whether Edouard meant that flick. or was just trying to control it and didn't manage it. But whatever, the, the, the fin- I, I can't remember Wilf being so composed yeah. at the start of a season with two finishes. The finish against Liverpool was brilliant. I think the defender thought he was doing the right thing by pushing Wilf further out. But all he did was give Wilf an angle to, and he didn't hit it with any great power. We're so used to seeing Wilf really lash those shots and quite often to the near post with pace. But this one, no real pace in it, but it just went across the keeper. It was a beautiful goal. It was a beautiful goal. Unfortunately, it wasn't the best goal of the game. Um, the the sloppy one was interesting. Because when you talk to strikers, especially, they've normally got a really good instinct for whether they're on or offside. And I don't think any of us thought there was any doubt. Sloppy definitely wasn't, because we knew the ball was pulled back to him. Edouard... Clearly didn't think he was. I, you know, I, we could be more philosophical about it because we won the game three one, but it, it's a matter of fact. It's the rule that's wrong. I, 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 for me, that shouldn't be offside, but the rule is that it is. So it was. You know, I don't think Villa dif- expected it to be disallowed. I think the referee looks slightly surprised when he was asked to review it, but. Facts of facts. We might as well talk about the penalty now. That was a that was a penalty. It's, if you know, Stephen Gerrard can't talk about facts for one and not talk about facts, <laughs> okay. for them, you, you might not like the rule, but the rule quite simple. His hand was away from his body, and if you look at it carefully, his his hand deflected the ball into the keeper's arms. The ball was going away from the keeper. Mm. It hit his arm. Yes, it was close. I know all those things, but the rules. You, you, if you're going to stick to the rules for one. Then the rules are the rules for the other. Unfortunately, if it had been the other way around, I'd be apoplectic, but it wasn't, so stuff them. It was a, it was a, it was a penalty. And, and also, again, a bit of composure, and a bit of devil for Wilf, because he, he missed the penalty, waited what seemed like an age before he <laughs> tucked in the rebound, and then gave the keeper some, which was, which was which was great to watch. But I, you know, the VAR was annoying
2: for both. You can understand why Villa fans were annoying, but technically they were both correct decisions. Interesting, yeah, interesting point. I guess, Grace, there have been so many rule changes, hasn't there, to, to all of these kind of things over the last couple of seasons. You almost wonder whether the refs actually can keep up and know, well, the players possibly might not even know what the rules are. I think I think before VAR, Schluppy's goal definitely gets given because mm-hmm. no one's flagging yeah. that. It looks so tight. And it's, obviously, it's the whole sleeve, shoulder length kind of thing now. And before VAR, that probably doesn't get given as a penalty either. Um, what were your thoughts on those?
3: Yeah, no. I mean, same as Kevin. I think with the Decoré challenge that culminated in Wolf's goal, didn't dig anything of that on the time. Looking back on it in slow mo, still don't think anything of it. Um, Schlup's goal. I mean, yeah. I think because sometimes when we score and everyone celebrates, but you, you now that every goal is checked by VAR anyway, you sort of you know the ones that you think might be, or was there a hint of offside? But I don't think anyone genuinely thought that about this one and and looking back at the lines they've drawn, I still can't see how anyone can definitively say either way, but, um, interestingly I, my my brother came to this game he doesn't always come to every game anymore but he's he's a linesman on the he's on the national league level at the minute and oh. um, he's just been promoted so whenever he comes to games we get the the, officials <laughs> by the friends, which, I
2: think you'
3: yeah <laughs> which doesn't always go down particularly well with me and my dad um but it's quite interesting to hear because some of yeah some of the rules and the technical points that I think not everyone I know I certainly don't understand or are able Able to apply to every single situation when it's happening so quickly in the game um but yeah some of them I just the offside for Schlapp I just don't think that's what what it was intended to do no no one knows whether that half a centimeter of his shirt was further forward or not um and and yeah and then yeah the offside and um, the offside sorry the penalty that we got given again on, on match of the day they were talking about it and saying again that's not what the rules intended for and about how can you say what's an unnatural position but they've got to draw the line somewhere um, and it's not too dissimilar to the one we had given against us I think it was Gaye um, yeah. away at Leeds, Leeds yeah. where yeah. someone else heads or knocks the ball onto your arm and it's like well it's tough luck but they they happen
4: That's what, a what very good your, point what, by the Leeds one What was your brother's view of the penalty? <laughs>
3: I, I, have, I he didn't actually say about the penalty. We had a, quite an argument about the, the offside. But he was still saying, "I still don't believe that he or anyone else could tell anything from those lines." Yeah. But um, I, I don't know what he didn't say much about the penalty, which I think usually means that he agrees with the decision.
2: <laughs> oh, this is great insight. Um, I, we have had a question actually from Wheel Man. Hi, Wheel. Will. Hello, Wheel. Will. Um, would you change the offside and handball laws? or just scrapped VAR completely, the correct answer is both. Cool, thanks, real man. Yeah. That's answered I, that I, one.
4: I think with the offside, I, I think the logical thing to do is just make it the foot. If any part of the player's foot is ahead, that's going to make it so much more easy to... Because the thing is, Edouard, technically, the old offside rule, you give the, the, the attacker the benefit of any, any doubt, which VAR's not doing. He's not gaining an advantage by having his shoulder... A centimetre ahead. I think all concerned, I think referees, VAR officials, assistant rest would be much happier if they say, "Look, if any part of the foot is ahead of any part of the defender's foot, that's offside." The unnatural arm and an unnatural position thing. Basically, what they say is, if it's away from the body and in the air, that's an unnatural position, and if the ball hits the hand, that's a penalty. I, th- I think the argument with that penalty was the distance between the ball and the hand, but it did deflect the ball away from the goal. It was going in. Would, probably would have gone in if it hadn't hit his hand and it went to the keeper. So I, I think any football fan would expect that to be given for them and be furious if it was given against them. But I, short of the, yeah, the, the Premier League and the FA giving us diagrams when we go into the ground to decide what <laughs> an unnatural arm position is. That should be in the programme. And, and also like, you know, all, all these grizzled old defenders who are pundits say, well, it, apparently we learn it's impossible to jump without having your arms yeah, 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 up yeah. in the air. So, so we, we learn. But I, I, I'd rather focus on the fact that we beat them 3-1 and, and deserve to beat them 3-1 <sighs> than on any bar technicalities, basically. Because there's no. nothing to VAR
2: for the. For the well, Anthony Taylor would have found something to VAR for that <laughs> goal, of course. But there's nothing there's nothing to VAR for that third goal. No, you're right. It's not like we've won this on a technicality or anything. Palace deserved to win. And let's well, talk about you, that third if goal. If you remember when we beat
4: them three, two seasons, three seasons ago, when they had a goal disallowed? last kick of the ball when it was brought back because the, the, the VAR deemed that I can remember that uh, Hendry I think had committed a foul in the build-up and they, Was they that during lockdown? No, I don't think so oh, I God. think it was the season before lockdown but, when, but they, had, they certainly had a, a, a more of a case then it was the first season of VAR when everyone was getting used to it. So. Right. Did you say Hendry? As in Lee Hendry? No. Um, he hasn't played for about 20 years. Not Hendry. He? The other one with the hair. The one that's in Man City now. Grealish. Grealish,
2: Grealish.
4: sorry. The yes. other one with <laughs> the <laughs> the <laughs>
2: sorry, it sounded like my dad <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the, I remember oh, the, the Grealish one. You're right. The last, the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I do remember that. Um, now I'm thinking about Lee Hendry. Um, yes, let's right. move on. <laughs> he was a good player. Um Let's talk about that final goal then, because we'll wrap up part one by talking about that great goal. Um, It was kind of everything, Grace, wasn't it, that that you'd hope from a a Palace team. And I know uh, someone who's central to it, Eze, we might come on to later in our winners and losers, potentially. But he, he obviously started the move. It's a lovely flick from Wilf around the corner, a confident Wilf. Mitchell puts in a fantastic cross, which he's definitely getting better at. And then, obviously, Mateta comes in with a lovely finish. There's a big boom as he hits the corner flag. I mean, it was everything we, we've we been hoping to see from this Fiera team. And it was just a really, and I guess, a nice indication of how far we've come in the short time and hopefully what we can expect to see more of.
3: Yeah, it really was. It really, the whole, one thing I noticed on Saturday was how sort of complete the whole team looked, that it wasn't just before where it's maybe been... Everyone's been okay. And then Wolf head and shoulders above everyone else. Now everyone else seems to have, have upped their game to be sort of, of in line with that. And as they started it all, like you say, Wolf's flick was brilliant. And then Tyreek with the cross that maybe, I, th- I think it's probably fair to say that that's the one thing that's maybe been lacking from his game yep. is going forward yep. and getting those crosses in the box has been a weak area for him. But it, it I mean, it looks like he's been working on them because I think the penalty came originally from a corner where he'd crossed the ball in again. So he's he's getting getting there and then the one for straight into Mateta. and then Mateta just wasn't wasn't going to miss that. Um and yeah, great, great all round like a team, team mm. goal.
2: Did you Kevin, did you boom Kevin when he scored? Of course. We all love a boom, <laughs> even at my age. Um, <laughs> I know
4: this has become a bit of a cliche, but can you imagine? if Man City scored that goal. why well, if, if, yeah. if that was Gondorwa um, flicking on, for De Bruyne to cross first time and Harland to half-fully at home, match of the day would still be showing it now. If <laughs> they 48 hours later, they'd still be showing. We probably, it probably won't get nominated for goal of the month. But what I loved about it so much, well, if you look at it, because I did look at it about 50 times on Saturday night, yeah. like 10 times at the, the original pass and 10 times at the flick. If you look at Mateta, he's facing the play, but as soon as he sees that the, the ball's through to Tyreek. He, he's turned. I wonder if they've worked on that in training because he turns straight away, yeah. and the balls, the ball to me it looks like the ball's delivered where where uh, Mateta expects it to be delivered. He doesn't look, he doesn't look over his shoulder. The mm. ball turns up in front of him, perfectly timed, brilliant finish. Uh, if, if that was worked in training, that's even better, an even better goal than it than it actually was. But that was a that was a beautiful goal. It's a joy to watch that goal. And as I say, Wilf as well. I think that's a really good point from Grace. Everyone seemed to have come to Wilf. Yeah, that Everyone's playing really well. And Wilf looks happier for it. He really does look mm. happier for it. I mean, two two fantastic finishes, but his all-round play as well. His all-round play was, was fantastic. You couldn't really fault anybody on, on. So I, I still think we looked slightly stronger when Mateta came on rather than Edouard, I'm not sure, in the first half as a that sort of leading striker. But yeah, that's a quibble, because for the most part, we... We looked really good. And again, we had to readjust because no one expected Wardy to be playing at at full-back.
2: And the the back four after that first six minutes looked really, really strong. Well, we may have to find some losers or must-do-betters for part two. So have a quick think about that. Before we do that, Kevin, I've got a question here from Colin A. Squires. Hi, Colin. He says, for Kevin, this is for you. As we've been going about the same amount of years, I'll tread carefully here... (laughs) some of the best football we've seen at Sellers. Do you agree? You can just give me a simple yes or no. Uh,
4: yes, I, th- I think so, yeah. And, and I think the beauty of it is it looks like there's more to come. Yeah. I, I, you know, We've had this discussion before, but some of our more successful teams weren't particularly good to watch. Couples teams weren't good to watch. They were very hard-working and very basic. But it's very straightforward, long-ball football. But I, I think... Potentially, we've got one of the most attractive palisades that I can remember, and certainly some of the football we're playing, some of the attacking intent. It's something we haven't seen, and not just under Hodgson. Too many people have beaten him with that stick, but from other managers as well. Mm. And finally, and I almost hesitate to say it, finally I think we've got a team that has decided it's time to look up, and that maybe the extent of our ambition shouldn't be just staying in the Premier League, that we should be looking to, to place and just Good football, and we should be looking to assume that we can get points at Liverpool and that we can and should be beating teams like Villa at home. And that's that's a joy to watch. But yeah, but some of the football we played on, on Saturday was as good as I've seen for quite a few seasons, definitely.
2: I think you're absolutely right about looking up. And we're going to do the same thing now on the podcast. We're going to look up to part two, which we'll do after this short break. Gay and Anderson have proven themselves to be top quality at Protecting Palace. And now there's someone else who can do the same for you. As this week, we're sponsored by Nord VPN. And FYP listeners can grab an exclusive Nord VPN deal by going to NordVPN, nord com slash FYP to get a big discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. And it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, what is a VPN? VPNs provide an encrypted server and hides your IP address so it protects your identity while online. It also gives you access to content that may be restricted in your country. NordVPN is essentially the Mark Gahey of online security. It's reliable, (laughs) it's fast, and it's best at keeping out attackers. It's easy to use, you can connect with one click, and with over 5,400 servers in 59 countries, you'll never be short of a super-fast server to get you online, whether you're on Windows, Android, iOS, macOS, and Linux or on your Android TV. Like Gay and Anderson, you'll never miss a match, even when abroad with the quickest VPN out there. And FYP listeners can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn, that's N-O-R-D-V-P-N dot com slash FYP to get a big discount off a NordVPN plan, plus four months for free. And that is completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash FYP. <music> Welcome back to part two of the Year Plan Podcast. Hey! hey. Uh, pod 437. This is our patron only section called Winners and Losers. So if you're on the patron feed, you're going to hear that now. If you're on the public feed and you fancy hearing our winners and losers, go to patreon.com, P A T R E O N.com slash FYP Podcast to get that. In its place, we're going to play you a little bit from our post match pod, which is also available to patrons. Um, so we'll play that now. <laughs>
6: The thing the, is, there were actually two bookable offences in that sequence. I didn't, the first was I, I, a foul on Wilf, and I think the second was a foul on Eze. He uh, actually ended well, up getting just, both players. And I thought, Ref, come on, like he's got to go now, and he didn't. And I thought that you know that would could have been sort of costly. Luckily, it wasn't. You know, and and I have to say, some of the football we played. Today, I would describe as sort of champagne football, really. It was a delight. Eze was absolutely majestic in midfield, slappy, full of energy. De Corey, you know, has done well so far, I think, without pulling up trees, but I think been good and effective. Um, Great tackle for the third goal, like that led up to the goal. Brilliant ball in by Tyric Mitchell and and Mateta on the run managed to meet it on the fall and sort of catch it without too much time to think about it. And it's a great finish. I'm, I, I've got to say the disappointment for me was was how profligate we were in front of goal. There were so many chances, and it didn't matter today, fortunately, but. The areas of weakness in our team, I think, are pretty clear. We're not good enough on the right hand side. We're not good enough at centre forward. You know, Edwárd. I don't. I don't. I'm not quite sure what to make of Hudson Edwárd as a player. I think he's a player I admire. His qualities. He's got a great touch. He's clever. He can do things. But when he's played at centre forward, it hasn't typically worked. And I was a bit surprised that the manager opted to play him there today after the first game. And I'll also say, and uh, I think this is a fair criticism of the manager, I was absolutely staggered that he chose to leave Nathaniel Klein out of the team at the expense of, uh, sorry, in favour of Joel Ward. I I just thought Klein had a really good game at Liverpool the other night, he'd done fine. I think that's a difficult conversation to have with the player in the office when really he hasn't given you any reason yeah. for you not to not to play him. i think thinking would be very hard done by on that basis. Do you, do you think that's a trust thing? Because he seems to really trust Joel Ward, doesn't he? I was surprised even the other night when we played the five or the yeah. three that he opted to use Wardy and not Chris Richards, who I thought did really well, actually, yeah. after he came on. But, and, and, and I'm not having a go at Joel Ward... I think Kleinie, in possession as he was of the shirt, deserved really to stay in the team. I don't, I can't say I'm, I'm with the manager on that one. Um, and going back to Edward, I, I thought, you know, he, some of his play is so neat and so clever, and he helped join the game up for us today. But the one in the second half, where he's one on one with the defender, and he's carrying the ball. You'd think that's his real. That's his that's his super strength, if you like, where you go, if that was Christian Benteke in that situation, you are think, well, he isn't going to have the pace to sort of leave him or the trickery. But if it's Edward, you're thinking, isolated, one-on-one with a defender, this should be you all day sort of thing, you know, beat him and get your shot off and so on. But he didn't, and he didn't really, uh, he didn't really convince in, in, in that respect. Um, and I just thought, you know, that I, who's... Several chances you know that 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 went astray. The the one where he cut the where we cut the ball and robbed them in the uh, in the in their defensive third in the first few minutes and he ended up by the corner flag with the, <laughs> with the ball. I was, I was quite startled, honestly. And then obviously the one where we had that great move and it came across the box to him and he came onto it and it was saved by Martinez at the near post. But I thought he should have just gone back across him and and scored. You know, Mateta had the great chance just after he scored. Missed the target Will Hughes Clear Made the key Was saved You know I just thought You know As uh, as much as I loved The game And how well we played You'd be it, frustrated it, Wouldn't you Yeah I, I, well, de- you No know, I'm delighted With the win yeah. But I think we You know, we should have absolutely hammered Aston Villa today, you know, based on the chances we created I don't know what our XG was, but my God, there was some great situations that we didn't score from, and I think we probably had enough chances to win five Premier League games today, you know, so that's the sort of um, critical side of it but I suppose the most important side of it is that we created so many good things today but I would like to see us busy in this last 10 days or so of the transfer window because I think, you know, we definitely need, uh, we're in need of a, another striker, uh, another wide player, uh, and another midfield player at least, and possibly a right back. But. <laughs> not asking him, for much then? No, but the <laughs> right back's not so critical, really. I mean, we've got. Ferguson, if he's ever fit, we've got Klein here, we've got Ward here, we've got Chris Richards. You know, that's that's not a disaster by any means. But it's just having the right fit and having somebody fit enough to to take part is is key. But I, I would say to you that, you know, in all honesty, I, um, I I was asked, I think, when we were on a pod together during close season, you know, what did I want or what would I've liked from Palace. And to be honest, I wasn't so so fussed, or at that time had such a, a sort of definite view on it. But currently, uh, you know, from what I'd seen in the in the Arsenal game onwards, I was kind of like, we need better in wide right, we need better in in uh, in the centre forward position, and uh, we need an attacking midfield player to to compliment the group for sure. Now, when you say sort of wide right, you know, everyone will be screaming into their devices that are listening. We've got Michael Alise, we have got Michael Alise, and we have got Wilfred Zaha. But you need more cover, don't you? Well, my point being is that the next step down is Jordan Ayew and that's a big step down from those other two players right. I think Michael Alise Eberechi and Wilfred Zaha from attacking, an attacking perspective could play in any Premier League team really, they're that good I think without being disrespectful and I've always been a fan of Jordan Ayew in the fact that he cost us next to nothing and he's been very good for us and I like um, Malcolm Aboui as well but I've thought that somebody, and this is you know just a, a throwaway comment, but I think Maxwell Cornet would have been a very useful signing for Palace, who went to West Ham, in terms of can play anywhere across the front three, but also crucially, can play left-back as well, so it would have given us a, a good cover situation at left-back with Tyrick Mitchell, and options across the front three. Now, as I say, I think Malcolm looks a really good talent, but I think he's only going to be a. You're just asking a lot. A of good eighteen-year-old. A good with, sub, yeah. And the same, the same, the really. same with Luke Plange. Really, yeah. I think. I mean, I've quite liked Luke Plange the bits I've seen, but he looks to me like a centre forward in a four-four-two team yeah. rather than a wide player or a, a number nine on his own. It's and like, it's likely he's going to go on loan. isn't I it? think that's why he wasn't involved yeah. today. I think there's a loan imminent. Um and I think he may go to Belgium to Molenbeek, I think. Oh, really? Which I think is John Texter's or one of the other I think the two other Americans own a club and John right. Texter owns one in Belgium, I think. So so I think that's where he might be. But I think I think I'd like to see uh a few players in, you know, before where I was sort of kind of a bit easier about it. One other point I think that's that's relevant and whether we can do anything about this or not, I mean, Czech Dekor, as I said, has done pretty well so far, but he doesn't have the physical size of Czech Cuyate, whom he's replaced. And I would like to, you know, and, the, and also the 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 the, the, the um, dispensing of uh, Christian Benteke, again, not something I was particularly in favour of, and I think it's left a bit of a gap, but the two players with really good size and we've lost that out of the squad and I think the squad is a bit small physically in terms of you know, I think Joachim Anderson now would be our best aerial player in the group and he's not excelled despite his size in in, in the sort of aerial element of games last season particularly and against people like Antonio and stuff like that. He's found it more difficult. And obviously, you know, he's been exceptional in in his overall game you know this season i think if season stopped after three games anderson would be the player of the season i guess based on his performance levels but you know i think we're going to need players and we're going to need a bit more size in the in the group physically you know that that's what's missing for me but i think we're in a a decent spot now you know it's a good win today good confidence booster and it just shows that we are you know the the best thing you can say about this Crystal Palace team, you know, since the massive overhaul last season, and we actually spent some reasonable money on the squad to try and develop it, we're now a match for every team that we come up against. And you know, we're playing Arsenal the first game, and people were saying to me, "What's going to happen?" And I say, "Don't know." Liverpool way. I'm talking to my brother on the way. Oh, we get walloped. I'm not like, not sure we will. Yeah, Do you I mean, know what I mean? Right, like yeah. I said. I'm not saying to you we're not going to get beat, but you know that this group is capable of giving anyone a game. And when you've got Wilfred Zahar, Eberichie Eze and Michael Elise, you know that they're all capable of giving you a moment of something to win your football matches. Yeah. And what we need to get to, I think, is ensuring that we have, and obviously, this is always the utopia, and people might say it's unrealistic and so on. Perhaps it is, but it doesn't stop you wanting it, as in, we need players that are going to come in and play when those players are unavailable yeah. that aren't going to weaken the group sufficiently, you know, or the team sufficiently. So, I think that is critical that we find a bit more I mean Ismail Asar's been somebody heavily linked and I've talked about him before if you're asking me a couple of seasons ago I would have been sort of falling over myself to say yes let's do it but he had a pretty disappointing campaign last year and um, you know he started this year at Watford You probably most of the listeners saw the sensational goal at West Bromwich Albion the other Monday night which was out of this world. but then didn't convert the penalty from 12 yards in the second half, which perhaps is a little bit Ismail Assar in a nutshell. But, I mean, he's someone, who, again, who's a super talent, but has lost his way a little bit, and it's whether we're going to get that talent out. And sometimes you can, and sometimes you don't. You know, I, I mean, Dougie was a big fan of Dwight McNeil that went to Everton. But, again, he had a pretty disappointing season with Burnley. I don't think he even... Did, did he even... He got one assist or something One assist and hit. no goals, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, really. I'm understanding that Dougie, Dougie was really sort of keen on him, but I would be saying that it's, again, a bit of a risk that you think you're going to get a, a, a tune out of this bloke when he hasn't done very well. I mean, there's always... I think what happens in, in football, Rob, and I've experienced this, is that... You know, managers and coaches they'll look at a player and see something and think, oh, "I can make this bloke work. I can. I'm sure I can fix this bloke." Dele Alli yeah. Edmonton, for example. But well, there are reasons that Deli Alley hasn't achieved, which you know, <sighs> we're, we're, we're not going yeah, on that tangent. Yeah, yeah, but we, 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 just won't, we won't. To use we as won't. Example, yeah. We won't go there.
2: That is our winners and losers. Thank you very much to our patrons. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you didn't hear it and you heard the, the post-match pod on the public feed, maybe you consider joining our patrons to hear the post-match pods each week and the winners and losers. It's at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash podcast After the break, questions.
3: Toda buena fiesta comienza con un buen outfit. Y tu próxima cita es con JCPenney, en donde encuentras de todo para cualquier ocasión. Ya sea elegante o casual, tenemos puro estilo para ti. Desde vestidos, trajes, colores y estampados. de marcas como Liz Claiborne, Worthington, Stafford y Jay Ferrar. ¡Ay, no olvidemos thereabouts para los chiquitos! Descubre lo último en la tienda o en jcp.com. Estilo de pieza cabeza
6: para donde sea que vayas. JCPenney.
2: Welcome back to the Private Podcast. Hooray! Hooray! It's question time. Uh, so time for some questions from our listeners. Uh, we have touched on most of them already in the pod, uh, but here's a few. In fact, here's a, here's a very interesting one, Kevin, actually, which is something that hasn't come up yet, but does seem to be a bit of a debate online, from, and it's one of our favourite listeners, the Café y Pitufo account. Hey! Which hi, we worked cafe. out is, hello, Kevin, is someone that lives in Spain and goes around Spain eating or eating pitufos, which is a little ham and cheese sandwich, and drinking coffee, um, which sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, and their question is, is the narrative against Jordan Ayew now such that we can't criticise him whatsoever for, by his standards, a poor first half on Saturday? He was excellent against Liverpool, but I felt with Ward behind him, we lost a lot of attacking attempt, intent down the right. Ayew uh, uh, seems to be sort of, um, down if he does, Damned if he doesn't, yep. Kevin. We know he plays a certain role. He's not going to be the best every week, um, but it seems like yeah, it does seem like you either you, you you can't praise him or you can't criticize him. It seems to be a very difficult situation to know what to do with Jordan. I think it's just
4: because he's so as a player, he's so opposite to the direction of travel that Vieira is taking with yeah. the rest of the squad. He's he's but he's obviously much older. He hasn't got the same sort of pace. I, I genuinely think, and I said this certainly, I think he's a, an option as a defensive midfield player centrally. Oh, I, I just think, I just think out, in the, and, and this was a problem last year with Wardy, there's energy all over the pitch, but when it's Wardy and I together, it does tend to get slowed down. There was one brilliant pass cross that Wardy put in with the outside of his left foot in the first half, but for the most part, it, it does tend to slow down when, it's, when we're attacking down that. Frank, it's more measured when we're attacking down that side than it is when it's Wilf and Tyreek on the other side. But Vieira obviously something, sees something in IU because he keeps picking him when other players are fit. He does do a good job. I think he's better in away games because he does relieve the pressure. He does win free kicks. He can hold the ball up. Yeah, you know, he's playing out of position as well. He's, it's not somewhere he wants to play. But it's, he's another one who sees himself as a ten or as a, as a as a striker. And he does the job that he's asked to do well enough there. And, yeah, Wardy does the job he's asked to do well enough, but it's just when you compare them to the to the energy that you see from the rest of the team and when you see the youth and pace of the rest of the team, it does stand out a little bit. But I, I, you know, I, he didn't have his his best game. But did, again, as Grace said, nobody had a bad game. So there's nothing to really criticise it for. And, and the, the things he does... Nothing he ever does is outstanding. Apart from that West Ham goal, most of what he does is simple but effective. He tends to move the ball on unless we're under pressure, in which case he holds it, he'll get a free kick. He's really strong. I, yeah, I don't think you can argue with with Patrick Vieira, to be perfectly honest. I was happy to argue with most managers about team selection, but at the <laughs> moment, I think you have to accept that Vieira knows knows what he's doing and knows why he's here. I, I, I think there will come a stage, certainly against teams that we expect to win when Elise, when he's fully fit, will will start, I think. But I'm happy that I was in the squad, uh, even if I'm not necessarily over the moon when he starts games. But it's, he does what he's what he's told to do by the manager, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think that's an interesting point that about the sort of... We talked about the improvement of the squad in the last couple of seasons. And, you know, when he was our only striker and was leading the line and we were playing with a different manager and a different system, it made more sense. The squad has almost progressed past him, yeah. um, which is fair and that's the direction we want to go in, but I think he still has a role to play. He's reliable and you know what you're going to get from him. Um, and, and I think we will see more of Elise this season, I think, uh, depend, depending on fitness. And towards the end of the season, I think you will be more of a backup and a, and a squad player, but he still, you know, certainly for away games, as you say, can do a job. So uh, for me, I'm still pro R.U. Are you pro RU, Grace? Yeah,
3: I think so. I think people people just like to have someone to, to moan about, don't they? And now Ben Teke's gone, so um, <laughs> yeah. people, people will find someone else. And I'm sure it looks like I, who's been the, the nominated scapegoat from, from now on. But yeah, he's like you say, he's never been the flashiest or brightest or best player on the pitch, but does what he's asked of, I'd say without complaint, but he does moan quite a lot. But that's usually <laughs> at, the, at the ref and he, he's quite clever tactically sometimes in that way winning fouls and breaking up play and he he holds the ball up well um and I think sometimes sort of that that unsung stuff that doesn't always get the plaudits but is important to the game overall and in disrupting particularly the opposition from sometimes putting moves together Yeah, yeah um that 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 we still need, even if it's not the pretty, pretty fancy stuff that maybe Elise Eze Wilf are capable of. Um, but yeah, I agree that maybe we are outgrowing him and that I suspect Vieira is carefully managing Elise on his return from injury. But think that as the season progresses, maybe we'll start to see more of more value on the bench and Elise starting. But yeah, I think there's definitely, definitely still a place for him.
2: Yeah, and to be fair, that West Ham goal was so good. Yep. <laughs> he he just can live can't, that forever. He, he yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> quite, he'll be a Palace legend forever for that goal. It's one of the best goals I've seen live. So, um, yes, uh, where are you fans here? Um, quick question here from Stephen Barton. Hi, Steve. Actually, it's not a question. He's, he literally starts off saying, <laughs> not a question. Uh, <laughs> But can I get a shout out for the Melbourne Palace supporters group who made me feel so welcome on Sunday morning at the Charles Dickens Tavern. These guys are watching matches at midnight, 2am or 5am every week. You've got to admire the dedication. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Big shout out to those guys and anybody who watches abroad. Cause I know the times are, we moan about kickoff times here in England. Uh, these people are watching at mad times indeed. So uh, big shout out to anyone who's watching at crazy times of the day or night. Um, well, round off questions here. Um We've got a couple of on the same theme, Grace. I'm going I'm I'm to li- listen. We're not getting we're not getting carried away. Palace's win at the weekend,
7: but I'm going to put this
2: question to you from Michael Smith. Hello, Michael. Is this the best Palace team of all time? <gasps> of
0: all time,
3: <laughs> I can only give give my view. Since when did I? Uh, the, I know the age is a touchy subject, so I won't, <laughs> won't go there. But a lot of the very good teams were slightly before my time, so I can't comment on Diplomatically them. Diplomatically put. Um, but of my lifetime, this is oh, – well, we've said this before and then it gets better somehow, so if we can continue in that vein, then that's great. But this is – It has the makings of potentially being something really special. It's just whether we can sustain it as the season goes on. And obviously, we're we're three games in once we get some injuries. And obviously, we've got the disruption of the World Cup. So it's going to be a strange Mm. season anyway, disrupting the sort of continuity of the season and any momentum that any team might have. But I don't see why this can't be... One of our best seasons yet and I think that is that is what we should be aiming for and I, I know that's we've been aiming higher and higher each season since we've been promoted and I mean coming up to was it 10 years now yeah. so why why not go for it if other teams like West Ham like wolves can can get the the, the European tour that we all desperately want why can't we um
4: I, I think we had um four or five seasons, once the novelty and the adrenaline of being in the Premier League wore off, we had four or five seasons where we had one or two brilliant players brought in like Caballi, but for the most part, we didn't really improve the squad year on year. You couldn't arguably say, yeah, we're better in that position. Whereas I think now, the last two seasons, the players we brought in, from centre-back onwards, are better players than we've had at Palace for a long time. And obviously, yeah, we would... If we were to play the team of the eighties, we'd slaughter them. Of course we would, because we'd be bigger, stronger. Yeah, because they're all in their sixties now. Well, exactly. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, there's an issue with that, (laughs) Jamie. No, Uh, no issue.
2: Okay, Uh, no. I just can't imagine being that old, (laughs) (laughs) Jamie.
4: Wait till you have your second child, you know what it feels like. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but I I think we we are improving. School, we've got better players than we have, and, and also I think. It takes it actually generally takes a bit of getting used to the fact that we are competence not the right word but the fact that we are turning up
2: mm-hmm.
4: and and we're not treating every game in the Premier League still like a like we're a lower league team playing a cup match and that we are we're playing a brand of football that we haven't seen us play in the Premier League really I mean Pardew tried to play attacking football but there was no defensive foundation at all. Whereas now we've we've got the Defensive Foundation, we're looking to be positive and, and that that helps when you start to think, well, this is a brilliant team. And it is it's it's a really good side. We're putting a really good side together. And I'm pleased that everyone is starting to acknowledge that as well. I still don't think Vieira is getting the credit he deserves. And I still think as we mentioned, there's so much focus on Lampard and on and on Gerard. You can draw your own conclusions as to why that should be. But there's a lot of focus on Ten Hag, obviously, in the bigger clubs, but I'm quite happy for Vieira to go under the radar a little bit, that he's just quietly getting on with, with evolving us into a really good football team. And We're only, we're only a year and four weeks into his, yeah. his tenure, and we've seen improvement already this season from the end of last season. So I, I think we are pos- possibly on the, on the brink of being a really good, solid Premier League side.
2: I completely agree. Obviously, if we lose to Oxford on Tuesday night, I'm going to have to <laughs> cut, cut, this, cut this whole we'll bit. Have from the, oh, we'll have an emergency. We'll block, have an emergency. We'll have an emergency. The it out, Paul. <laughs> out. Yeah. Get the banners out. <laughs>
3: um,
2: to, it does feel like it's being done in a sensible way, which differs to previous eras that you spoke about. Just then, it does feel like everything. It's very common sense approach, and actually, if this was another club in the Premier League, if this was West Ham or Saints or whatever, we'd be think, saying. Wow, they're doing things in a good way. It's just weird that it's Palace to accept. And, and Toby Kinder, one of our regular listeners, has made an interesting point here, which I think backs up what you were saying, Kevin. He says, isn't it time now to put, the, put to bed the best 11 debate? It's a game of 16 players, some yep. starters, some finishers. Whether yep. Elise is quite, quite yeah, better yeah. than Ayu or Edward, or better than Mateta is actually irrelevant More than ever before, it's a squad game. And I think that's an absolutely perfect way of saying it. And that makes me more confident this season that the consistency that Grace talked about earlier will come. And it won't be peaks and troughs. Obviously, there'll be hard matches, there'll be injuries and stuff. But there's more of a confidence at the moment in the squad, in the ability, and I think from the stands, that this squad can do things consistently. And that is the key, Kevin, to being a good team in the Premier League.
4: I mean, we forget how uh, we had quite a difficult start last year, but we only had one point after playing Liverpool, Chelsea, and Brentford. And then we only had two after throwing West Ham into the mix, and then against Tottenham, we we, we started to see what Vieira could do. But you mentioned West Ham 606 yesterday, half of it was apoplectic West Ham fans. So they haven't scored a goal. That yeah, this yeah. time last season they've said Moyes is the best manager we've ever had. We're going on another European tour. Yesterday, it's like they're lazy. There's no there's no tactics. Brighton played us off the pitch. They didn't run. We haven't scored. We have to get a new manager in. And that's a completely different direction of travel for us. And I, and I think you look at... Leeds have done better than I thought so far. Uh, Forest have done better than I thought so far, which again is why it's important to get points on the board because I, I think Bournemouth are the only whipping boys in this, in this division that... Yeah, you know, West Ham had, didn't improve over the summer. We, whether it's uh, Dougie's decision, Vieira's decision, Steve Parrish's decision, we targeted players that we wanted. We got them in relatively early for us. So there is, there is a plan going on. There is something going on behind the scenes. It looks like we're going to get another big name in. So we're not drifting aimlessly between seasons like we have done in the past. We, this seems to be part of a progressive upward spiral hopefully, and but like I say, that does take a bit of getting used to, it does. I, I was almost happy that first six minutes on Saturday, that's, that's, uh, this is what I recognise. Here we go. <laughs> comfort, comfort blanket, thank you very much, <laughs> letting us all
2: down. Oh, we've equalised <laughs> us really quickly. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, it, is, it does take some getting used to, actually, and then I guess the West Ham thing is interesting because that's a little indication of things don't always go your way and things can turn, and hopefully, if they do, we won't be a reactionary set of fans like West Ham fans that we will see it as part of the process and hopefully back the team to get back because there's the quality and the skill in this squad to do but special there was, things. There was
4: one West Ham fan who made a really good point and he said the way the Premier League works now is you can't rest on your laurels. You, yeah. Every, every single team in the Premier League is improving this squad. Look, I mean, look at the amount of players Forrest are bringing in, whether that works or not, but they're bringing in quality players and West Ham just simply didn't do that over the summer. And you've got, you know, Mikel Antonio is a brilliant player, but he's a year older. You yeah. can't just expect Mikel Antonio to score 20 goals a season year after year and, and not plan for, for replacing him. And, and West Ham didn't seem to do that over the summer for whatever reason. And now they're struggling. They've had arguably one of the, well, apart from Man City, they've had two relatively easy games and they haven't looked like scoring in, in any of them. And, normally it's Palace fans who are saying, well, we haven't improved the squad, we haven't moved forward. And you can't say that. You simply can't say that. With the pre-season we had last season and the one we're having now, you can't say that the club aren't looking to improve us
2: all over the pitch. Yep. Yep. And long may West Ham struggles continue. Um, <laughs> let's have a quick break. Uh, thank you for your questions, listeners. Appreciate it. Please do keep sending them in. Um, and after the break, we're going to preview well two games this week: Oxford, <laughs> either end of the spectrum, Oxford and Man City.
7: When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, Or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But Executive Chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at OrlandoForBusiness.com.
2: Coffee Podcast hey. hey Pod 437 It's preview time Two games this week uh, We tend not to labour too much On cup games in the early rounds So um, Let's go straight to the City game Kevin But We can touch on Oxford As, as we do it um, City will be difficult Of course They had an interesting Result against Newcastle At the weekend Which was the first time In a long time That I've watched a game On Match of the Day 2 Without knowing the score Oh that wow was, That was enjoyable That was lots of fun um, So you can look at that two ways. Either, oh, they haven't settled this season or there's going to be a big reaction at the weekend. But we do know, you know, last season, Palace put in a fantastic mm. performance at the Etihad. Uh, and if anything, this squad is looking even more confident now. Um, what are you expecting from the weekend at City? Well, I have to say
4: first, in times gone by, there's been no point labouring Carabao Cup games because we are out of it <laughs> in <it> the first <laughs> round. true. Generally. No goals. Yeah. Uh, I think... It's interesting that Vieira says he wants to play as many of the first team as possible because he thinks this is a tournament we can win the Carabao Cup, which is great, unless Eze and Wilf are injured and can't play against City. I almost <laughs> wish there's two ways of looking at that City game yesterday, which was brilliant. I mean Newcastle was shocking the first ten minutes, and then brilliant. And then City to to come back with two goals like that so quickly was was fantastic. They really are. You have to admire everything about Man City. But what it showed, I, I'd rather have played them after they'd beaten Newcastle 5-0, to be honest. Yeah. But what it did show, and I don't know if Newcastle will do this away from home, and I don't think we will, but one-on-one, defensively, they, they, St. Maximan, terrified them all afternoon. And I think Wilf, I think Wilf could do the same thing. I, I suspect we'll still set up the way we did at Liverpool. But they would have watched that game. and Wolf. I think Wolf's got every chance of doing the same thing to their centre-backs as he did at, at Liverpool. Um, I don't think we'll do we will go up there with a the mindset that we'll keep it down to four. I'm not saying we won't lose because we're playing one of the best teams in the world, but Guardiola's always had a lot of respect for Palace uh, and we played really well in both games last season against them. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. It's, I... Again, I, I don't quite know how to say it. but I, I'm not saying I'm not going there with any fear, because obviously I am, but I, I, I don't think we're going there with the mindset that we, we can't possibly get anything out of it, because we did last season there, and we deserve to, and we deserve the point in the middle at, at Sellers Park. And you know, the, the big difference is Humming I mean, Harland is, hopefully hasn't quite settled to the game yet, but he's a proper centre-forward but we've got proper centre-backs. So, I, I think Gabriel Jesus is a massive loss for them. Um, I think it's the best signing of the summer by a country mile for Arsenal. But, I, I'm not expecting to go up there and get a result back, but I, I'm, I am expecting us to go up there and, and play another Premier League team rather than playing like a team that's having their way there in the third round of the FA Cup.
2: Yeah, I think you'll see Palace um, maybe not go for it, but I think play confidently. Um uh, Anderson probably won't be able to wind up Harland Grace as much as he did. I mean, I can't imagine Harland headbutting Anderson. He seems like a much more placid character. Well, We'd have to character. reach down. would have to reach down to do it for a start. <laughs> yeah, <it's> true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on the top of his head. Um, but that'll be an interesting battle. Um, uh, I, or whoever, whoever marks him, that will be very, very interesting. But again, like uh, Kevin, I tend to agree. I'm not. I'm not unconfident, that's not a small word, but I'm not lacking confidence, but I'm not expecting anything. It's quite a nice space to be in as a Palace fan.
3: It is, yeah. I mean, gone are the days where, like Kevin said, you go and it's like, it's a day out and it feels like you're yeah. competition winners rather than <laughs> that you've, you've earned your, your right to be there. But yeah. um, I saw a stat earlier and I think it was that in Vieira's, I don't know if it was just league games, it must have been 47 league games. We've only lost by more than one goal on six occasions, wow. which, was, which was 13%. Um, well. Which again, I think, all goes back to the him, him not getting enough credit for mm. the work he does. But when you think of the the top teams we've played in that time and the results we've got, I think we've got the right to go there and feel, like you say, not not feel not confident, but also not feel like, well, why. Why shouldn't we get anything out of it? And mm. it's it's never you never come away from those results, particularly at the Etihad. You never win by fluke at those grounds. If we ever get anything from them, we've worked damn hard for it. Yeah. Um and I suspect we will on Saturday. And yeah, it might be a good battle between if it if it is Anderson and Haaland and good battles all over the pitch. But I mean, yeah, like Kevin said, Pep's always got quite a lot of respect for us in the way that we set up. We don't ever set up completely to shut up shop and I, I, I think I agree that we'll go more the more defensive approach like we did at Liverpool but we were still positive going forward it wasn't we've come here to to stick 11 people on the line for 90 minutes and um, so yeah it'll be be an interesting one and if, if if Newcastle can get three goals past them and Saint-Maximin can terrorise them in the way mm. he did albeit at St James's rather than the Etihad. I don't see why if we've got Eze, Wilf, Elise ready to go, then I mean, who, who knows?
2: Really quickly, then I'll put I'll put a question to you both. Ideally, one word answer. And this is who you think should start. I'll go to you first, Kevin, Mateta or Edward.
4: Mateta for me. I I just or, or neither. I, I just I I, I, I suspect <laughs> it will be the same team that started against Liverpool. Is, is my is my guess. I, I just think, as we said, we need to keep, if we do do that, we need to keep possession a bit better. The ball sticks with Mateta a little bit more than it does with uh, Will or Edward. but I, I, I think we'll be playing Wilf as the one striker again,
2: like we did at Liverpool. Uh, yeah, actually Grace, that's a good point, because that was one thing that Vieira said after the Liverpool game, was we had our game plan. The thing we didn't do quite as well was keeping the ball when we did have it in the in the shorter amount of time that as an away team at Anfield and at the Etihad you do have the ball you have to hold on to it so that is obviously something they will try and do better and work on and we hope that's the case but for you is it a Mateta game or an Edouard game?
3: I just think off the back of the the confidence and the goal from Saturday are I'd go Mateta yeah. um, that going to the Etihad Edouard, like like we said didn't have a bad game isn't by any means done and dusted but for a game Like the Etihad, we need someone that's going in, up for it, happy to sort of throw their weight about all over the pitch, really. Um, And I think that at the minute, or for this game, is Mateta.
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, But I think the big thing we
4: can be confident of is that Vieira's got a plan and they'll they'll be working on it today and the rest of the week, which, again, is not something we've always been that confident about in seasons gone by.
2: Yeah, and Colin A. Squires returns with a question earlier that I didn't have time to put in. He says, love the way that PV can play different systems and adjust. Yep. And I think we are, that is something we are seeing him Definitely. improve and learn about himself and his squad. So that's great. Um, we didn't really touch on the Oxford game. If we lose to Oxford... Uh, there'll be an emergency episode (laughs) Um, there won't be actually because I'm going to the traverse tomorrow night to see a play Um, so that won't happen but uh, we'll talk about it next week if we do lose hopefully we won't and uh, we can all approach City with confidence at the weekend Um, guys thanks for podding Grace great to have you back on hopefully you'll join us again soon
3: thank you for having me as always
2: and Kevin great to have you as well and uh, yeah hope you're well yes Past eight, so it's very nearly time
4: for granddad to go to bed. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> there'll be someone in Switzerland there right now, his senses will be tingling. Um, anyway, thank you both, thank you to our listeners, thank you to our patrons, of course, for their support patreon.com/slash FYP podcast. Then we hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll be with you again next week to talk more palace. But until then, uh, take care, have fun, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.
4: Podcast Network.